Thank you, Nicholas. Very good. Did you know that I married Nicholas and Kathy all those years ago? I can tell you some stories. <laughs> anyway, it's a great pleasure to be with you again this evening. And uh, nice to meet you if it's the first time tonight at the church. Um, as you can hear by my accent, I'm obviously from uh, a little place called Mud Island, which is uh, England, because uh, it rains so much. Everyone calls it Mud Island. So. But it's great, great pleasure to be with you. And as Nick, as, uh, Nick says, uh, tonight what I want to really focus on is power, the power of God amongst us, because He is powerful, He is good, He is loving, and we need, we need to experience that. And we know that, don't we, in our heads as Christians, but sometimes we don't uh, experience it in here, and that's what I really want to touch on tonight, is to try and encourage us that this is normal life, to have the Spirit of God pumping through us and changing things. So, the scripture we're going to look at, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 to start off with. Should come up on the screen. I've got a little clicker now, which I haven't broken yet, which is pretty clever. There we go. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. He did not give you and I as Christians a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. And I want to knock off these four distinct characteristics ending up with power. But I want to start with fear. Fear. You know, in the last three years or so, certainly in Britain, um, fear has been a very common thing in a way which in my lifetime I'm not sure we've ever experienced at home in Britain. I know it's the same in, in America because of the COVID pandemic and then all the lockdowns and all the strange behavior we had to go through there. Fear has been a very, sadly, has been a very common thing. I remember when I live in a little village in the north of England and a small community and there's a really one high street and there's a shop there which sells kind of health foodie things. And I remember during the lockdown going in there and first of all on the, on the shop door, it said, no more than two people in this shop at any one time. It's quite a big shop, actually, but no more than two people allowed in. So I had to go in and get something from my, from my wife, and I looked in, I could see through the glass, nobody there, that's okay, I'm allowed in. I went in, and uh, the, the woman at the far end of the shop was behind a perspex shield, and she had a paper mask on, and she had a helmet with a plastic visor in front as well. And she sort of looked at me nervously as I came into the shop. And I said, I need such and such, some pills, I think it was, some such and such. Where would they be? And to which point she picked up a stick with a, a pointy finger on the end. It was about six foot long. And she sort of pointed over there, not daring to come out from behind the plastic shield, of course. But she sort of said, it's on that shelf there. I thought, this is absurd. <laughs> you know, really, what does she think I'm bringing into the shop in the way of disease and plague and sickness and things? And uh, I bought my things and off I went. But I, I, and as I was paying for it, of course, it had to be contactless kind of card. It couldn't be money. I paid for this thing, and, and she was talking a bit behind the screen. I was, I was so aware that she was a really frightened person, really frightened. And uh, I didn't, I should have seized the day, really, but 
I didn't. I should have really started trying to get a conversation with her and say, look, you don't need to live like that. You know, I don't live like that. I don't live with fear because I know the Lord God who loves me. And he's in charge of everything. He's even in charge with this wicked world. And part of my inheritance as a Christian, your inheritance, is you don't need to be fearful. Fear not, I am with you, he says. Are you aware, it says in Scripture, don't be fearful, don't be anxious, 365 times. The Lord says that. One for every day of the year. The Lord says to you and I, don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. You have come into a relationship with me. You're my son. You're my daughter. You've repented of your sins. That's been dumped at the cross. You now have my Holy Spirit with you, and he'll be with you forever, all through death. You have nothing to fear. I'm with you. Even to the ends of the earth, he says at one point, I'm with you. Fear not. Now, that's our inheritance as Christians. And can I say, what do you, tonight, what do you fear? There will be things you're anxious about. It's only human nature, you know? What are you frightened of? Are you frightened of the, the next few years? Maybe you don't know where your career's going. Maybe you're at college, you don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to get a job after I leave college? Maybe you're, you're concerned about your health. You know, I've had health issues. It can only seem to go downhill. Again, totally natural, normal thing to be concerned about. You know, and that we're, all of us, if we're honest, will have issues that we are fearful of. And my encouragement tonight is bring those things to the cross. Bring those things to the Lord. Be honest with him. Keep short accounts. Be honest with him and say, Lord, I'm really struggling. I'm fearful about my job. I'm going to lose my job. You've got to help me. We've got to get rid of this fear. It debilitates us as Christians. Because there's many things we don't, don't do, I think, because we're, we're held back by caution and fearfulness and anxiety. So whatever the area is in you, as I say, this evening, use this evening as an opportunity to, to bin that fear. Get rid of it. I used to be, in my younger days, I used to be quite, quite a fearful chap, actually, when I was at sort of school and then university. And um, um, maybe odd use of the word chap there. We are. <laughs> but I, I, in, my, in the natural, that's where I was. But as I got, over the years, got more and more filled with the Spirit of Jesus, that, that fear has just sort of dissipated. Just, just sort of slowly, slowly has just sort of gone out of my system. And um, I remember being absolutely terrified at one stage. I, th I remember thinking ahead and thinking, when I get married, I'm going to have to give a, best ma a, a, a bridegroom's speech at my own wedding, you know, in front of 200 people, all my family. And I remember being really nervous about that, early 20s, and thinking, oh, what am I going to say? Do I, surely it wouldn't be better just to elope, you know, if I do get married. We can just run away to the Caribbean and have a private wedding, that kind of thing. I remember literally being scared about worrying about future things like that. Now you can't hold me back. You know, give me a microphone. <laughs> but that is a change because of the Lord dealing with me and changing things. I've got a friend, um, a British friend, who was with us in our church in South Africa. We were down in Cape Town, a leading church called Church of the Holy Spirit for seven years, and that's where we met Nick and Kathy. And in this church, about halfway through, a British girl turned up called Tanya, and she'd only been become a Christian about uh, two, three years before she came to, uh, to South Africa. 
And she came in and she wanted to introduce herself. We had a meeting in my study one day. And um, she was telling me about her life and what she was hoping to do. Now, she didn't have a job in Cape Town, and, uh, but she had somewhere temporarily to live, but not a permanent house. And I remember her telling me, as we chatted, all about these things. And I noticed that she was often wouldn't look me in the eye. She's sort of looking around, and she's playing with her hands. And, and every now and then, her phrase would come out along the lines of, well, I'm not really not sure what I'm going to do. And I don't know if I've got enough money to last beyond. And it's all very difficult. And, and again, you could see she was very worried about a whole bunch of stuff. And she was a fearful person, really. So I tried to encourage her and say, stick around. You know, we got a job on, actually, we gave her a job on the reception in the church two days a week, which is a start, you know, and she joined us and joined the congregation. I noticed the first few Sundays, she sat right at the back of the church, and uh, she was a stiff, a very stiff posture, keep her arms to one side, looking around, this kind of stuff, and I noticed as the weeks went by, she got more and more relaxed, and then I noticed her putting an arm in the air, you know, and then I noticed also her physically moving forward, and um, she was sort of sitting in the middle of the church after a few months, and then I noticed she was sitting at the front of the church, and she was, you know, because this is the scary place up here at the front, you know. <laughs> God does things up here. So, but she, she was really into the Lord, and she was really, I noticed her eyes shut, hands in the air, singing her heart out, and she was just loving the worship experience, you know. And then I heard that this girl had decided, uh, joined some other Christians in the area, and was going into a place called Polesmore Prison which was the prison, one of the prisons they kept Nelson Mandela in for some years. And he just happened to be in our area in Cape Town. And she was going in with others, and they were going into the women's remand wing. And there they were just praying for people, teaching them about Jesus, and, and just encouraging them. And Tanya had got up in front of 300 fairly hardened criminal women and given her testimony about how God loved her and how he could change anything in you. And apparently, she was really bold, you know? And I thought, that's about a six-month program from that nervous, insecure person I met to the person who gave a testimony to 300 in prison. Pretty good, huh? Only the Lord Jesus can do this. It's his spirit that really crucified her fear and got rid of it. And she was a changed person. Now, that could be us. The Lord does not want us to live a life of fear. He really doesn't. So, moving on. Okay, no, I won't tell about him. Oh, no, we'll go back to him. Okay. As I said, this scripture, uh, for, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, love, and self-control. I'm going to look at love and self-control before I get to power. Now, this is a picture up there. You can't see him very well, but he's on the Alpha course, if you've ever heard of that. Um, he, I do actually know this guy. He's called Sean Taylor. And he was a uh, hardened criminal. He was one of the, the 10 toughest criminals in the British prison system. He was very violent. He's a big guy, very strong, and he was very violent. In fact, when he was in his cell, he was in solitary confinement for many years, when the wardens had to go in to see him, there would never be less than six wardens would go in at once because he had a tendency to sort of uh, hit them and attack them. So he was a very tough cookie. And he was in, he was in a prison, I think, for GBH. That's G, uh, um, grievous bodily harm, basically fighting, and I think he shot somebody as well. Um, anyway, he was a tough cookie. Uh, and he came from a very, very broken home background. 
And, you know, not a nice piece of works. But amazingly, I won't go into the whole story, he becomes a Christian. And the experience he had, basically he was invited to go to the chapel in the prison. And if you went to the chapel even for an hour to do this Alpha Course thing, um, it was a kind of like a privilege. At least it got him out of his cell. And he thought, well, I don't have any interest in God or religion at all. But at least it gets me out of my cell for an hour. I'll go and tell the chaplain I want to go on this Christian course. It's 10 weeks, you know. So he turned up on this thing. And I think on the second week he was there, he just had a power encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he burst into tears. And apparently he wept and wept and wept. And by the end of it, he, he felt, said what he felt. He felt like something was sucking out of him all his anger, all his pain of his childhood. And it was like sort of a, a divine sort of spring clean of this guy. His soul was just healed, you know. And, uh, and he, he said he was, he, when he first started to cry, and he wanted to cry, he was so embarrassed that he sort of went to the back of the chapel and almost up against a wall, you know, was hiding his eyes and trying not to show the other men that he was being affected because the Lord was touching his heart and softening him, you know. Anyway, he became a Christian and um, completely changed. And in due course, he's mostly helped, interesting enough, by one of the wardens in the prison. He was a Christian. And when he came out of prison, he did finish his, uh, his time. He was allowed out of prison. This particular warden had really got close to him. They said, we've got a spare room in our house. Come and, come and live in our house. And so they took him in. And in due course, um, this warden had a daughter of the same age. A love blossomed between Sean and the warden's daughter, and they got married. And now they have three kids. Isn't that wonderful? But the reason I'm telling this story about this guy is that it's all about love. All about love. Both um, the love of God to powerfully encounter him, and then the practical love of the body of Christians to help him have a new life, have a real life that's wholesome and positive. And even if you ever watch the Alpha Course videos, and I really recommend you do, it's a very good course, actually. And he, he's actually filmed in that, and he starts telling his story, and he starts choking up. You know, I think this is really good. He's so, he's so soft in here now, he, he just because he starts talking about how the Lord saved him and what the Lord had done for this guy. So the Spirit of God is so different to the spirit of fear, which entraps us. The Spirit of God comes... I, primarily, I believe, by, of, as love to us. I've seen so many people just come into the kingdom of God, become Christians, just by experiencing this love. He comes and gives us an experience of how he sees us, which is a loving thing. He loves us to bits. You are loved. That's your inheritance. You are loved. You really are loved. I don't know what your family background is, what your history is, but here... I want to tell you that God himself loves you. If there's nobody else in the room, you are the one he loves. You're his daughter. You're his son. Never forget this. And he wants us, by the Spirit, to know this in our guts. I say this elsewhere, yearning for, we should yearn for the Spirit with everything we have because the Spirit brings this understanding of how we are loved, how unique we are. In 1 John 4, it says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Talking about all that fear earlier, the antidote to that is experience the love of God. It'll push that out. 
you won't need to worry about that. So allow us, let's, I, I speak to myself on this, I want to allow this, the love of God to break in on me. I really do. Authority. Let's go back. Uh, there should be another slide. I seem to have lost it. Never mind. There's meant to be another slide on uh, self-control. So he gave. He gets rid of fear. He gives us a spirit of love, of self-control, and power. Well, what is self-control? In the scripture, it could mean um, uh, having a sound mind as well as being self-controlled. And he helps us restrain our base instincts and our carnality. And he gives us an understanding of how to live. And um, the Spirit again, again, of God again brings this self-control to us, to us if, and particularly if we don't have it, it's, it's a vital thing, it's a really helpful thing. And we need to keep being refilled with the Holy Spirit in order to develop that self-control. I've seen many, uh, I can think of several guys in our church in Africa and in our filling station meetings that we have in Britain at the moment, who have had various addictions. I can think of one guy called Lawrence, who is an alcoholic, and uh, he was a carpenter, actually. Um, but the, the drink got him, and through, he said through being an alcoholic, he lost his job, he couldn't function at work. He lost his family, his wife and kids left him because they couldn't live with that. And he got, he got to a very low step, place of near, nearly living on the streets. And by the, again, by the grace of God, he met some Christians. They prayed for him. The Spirit of God broke that addiction to alcohol. And, uh, and he, had, he had a strong climb out. He had to work at it. But he's been freed from that alcoholism. He now has self-control. So he can actually be in situations where other people are drinking around him. And he doesn't have a taste for it. The Spirit of God gives this self-control, redeeming self-control to those things which we know often damage ourselves with. So, and then the third thing, as I say, or actually is the first in the, in the description is in Timothy, is this idea of the power of God. The power of God. Because it's all the Spirit of God that does these good things, but this is really the power of God manifest in breaking addictions, demonstrating us to us we're loved, disposing of fear, filling us in by his Holy Spirit, and it empowers us as we go along. Now, the word there in the Greek in this text for power is a word called dynumos, dynumos. And it means uh, it's the root word for dynamite or dynamic, dynumos. And that's what the Spirit of God does in our lives as Christians. He's actually dynamic. He's not passive. And in the same way, dynamite obviously blows things up and has a, a, a dramatic reaction. Potentially, the Holy Spirit in us has the power to change things dramatically. And if you're needing some sort of change in your life for the better, the Spirit of God is the place to turn to. Ask Him to fill you again, and things will change. Because this is the dynamic of the Holy Spirit at work. And he brings, and he does it in all sorts of ways. There's all sorts of aspects of what that looks like, that, that dynamism, that's changed by the Spirit. Now, I mentioned yesterday, uh, for those of you who are here, about the difference between power and authority. And they're two different words in Scripture. Uh, authority is something that's delegated to us as Christians by God. 
because uh, Jesus won the victory on the cross. So you and I have authority to pray for things and ask for particular things. But the power to see those things fulfilled, like if I'm asking for my friend to be healed, for example, I can't do anything about it, but I believe, because I have authority, it's okay for me to pray for them to be healed. The actual healing happens by the Spirit of God. That's the power at work, the power manifest of him actually uh, him changing that person so they're healed. I'm um, giving an example. Uh, we had uh, a conference we did in our uh, little church, our little team in Britain. We went over to Sweden in April this year and did a three-day conference uh, there. Um, we had about 600 people to this conference. And we saw numerous people who ask for prayer set free from all manner of evil things. I can think of a, a two, a three individuals who uh, had been very heavily involved with the occult and were essentially uh, witches or warlocks and actually were casting spells and messing about with all that kind of stuff. And they'd actually become Christians just recently. And we, well, we, one of them hadn't become a Christian actually until that conference. And we saw the Spirit, when we talked to them about it and we prayed for them, we saw the Spirit of God really relieve them of all that essentially black magic. And they, they, they felt completely changed by the end of it. The Spirit of God is at work powerfully to change things. There's a great scripture, and when it comes to evil things, there's a lovely scripture. It says, the spirit that's in us is greater than the one that's in the world. So when it comes to unclean spirits and demonic stuff and uh, witchcraft and so on, the spirit that they're messing about with is far inferior to the Holy Spirit of God who's in you and me. So don't be fearful. The spirit in us is greater than the one that's in the world. I'm just going to rattle off a few dynamic ways in which the Spirit moves in power. Healing. We were talking about it last night. Healing. He comes and he brings healing. I've seen so many people healed now. Uh, when I didn't believe in healing, I didn't see anybody healed. When I believed in healing a little bit, I saw some healed, like I said yesterday. But now I absolutely believe the Spirit of God can heal and does heal. And I said a lot more people healed uh, and changed uh, uh, from where they were. And all manner of conditions. I can think of uh, just one story. There's a friend of ours called Nick Arbuthnot. He's not a Christian. Still in, isn't a Christian, which amazes me after what he went through. But this guy, Nick, he's in his 50s. And he was diagnosed with um, bowel cancer. And uh, they put him on various diets. And they gave him some chemo. And he went through all the medical things that he should do. And uh, it didn't work. And he came to the conclusion... They told him, we can't do any more. We can't zap you with any more chemo. And uh, we just happened to be staying with them. And I think because he was uh, so aware that he was desperate, really, he allowed my wife and I to pray for, the, pray for him. Never having never talked to, her, talked to us about faith things at all, ever. But he knew we were Christians, of course. And so I did. We pray, I prayed for Nick, put my hand on his stomach. And as I started praying... The Holy Spirit sort of roared up inside me, is the best way of describing it, and I got really angry with this cancer, as if it was an entity, you know. And I say, get out of my friend, Nick, curse you in Jesus' name, get out of here, you know. I, my wife was really surprised and a little embarrassed, I think, uh, because she hadn't seen me do that, and uh, particularly as this is not a family that kind of thinks about faith at all. And yeah, Nick was totally relaxed about it, actually. But I know that that prayer was effective. I know 
God used it, and the Spirit of God came and changed things. And he, and he got better. And he's still alive now. That was 15 years ago. Okay? The Lord healed him. And the annoying thing is, as I say, he hasn't yet registered it was the Lord. You know? How, how thick can you have to be to not get that? Anyway, so he's healed. Praise God. I'm glad he's had 15 more years. I hope he has been thinking about God secretly in his heart. Who knows? So there's power of God to bring healing. That is what we see. That's our experience. And I know that's what you as a church and congregation, you want to see more of. You, you believe this. You practice this. And I want to encourage you. I really feel prophetically that the Lord is going to raise you up as a healing church. You're going to have spirit, the Spirit of God bringing people here. I see people coming in here in wheelchairs and those who are sick. And they're going to meet the Lord and they're going to be healed. And they're going to have some testimonies. You asked for testimonies tonight and it was pretty quiet. You're going to have days when there's going to be so many coming forward. You won't be able to get on with the rest of the services. <laughs> but the Spirit of God, I believe, is going to release to you a new uh, power through he in healing in that area, I believe. You'll be a healing church. You'll be a well. You'll be a place where the Spirit of God is known. And people will drink deep from you, I believe. Bless you guys in this. Lord, bless you in that. Make it so. Make it so in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. How else does the Spirit come in power? I won't go on for too long. Uh, signs and wonders. Okay. Deliverance. Not a bit of that. Yeah, healing. Oh, that's a picture of a, a girl at one of our filling station meetings called uh, Helen. And that was taken in uh, about April this year. And she came to the meeting. There's about 40 people there. She uh, had tinnitus in her right ear only, and she'd had it for, I think it was quite, it was quite a while, 18 months or something, and they hadn't been able to fix it, and we just again prayed for her ear, and it's healed just like that, and so that's why she's pointing at her head. <laughs> no fear of death. Okay, now this is a picture. The gentleman in the middle there is a friend of mine. Uh, he's a doctor called Johnny Marr, and he's in Cape Town. Did you ever know Johnny Marr at all? Yep. And um, he was, uh, came on this Alpha course we did there, which is an evangelistic course in Cape Town. Uh, in his early 40s, he came on this course and became a Christian through it. And uh, he, he was delighted, as his wife was. And, but not many years later, he too was diagnosed with cancer. And it was, uh, I think, liver cancer. It was a, quite a fast-moving cancer. And he being a doctor, he knew, you know, what it was all about. And he knew it was one of these, a very tough one to deal with. And they told him when they diagnosed it, you diagnosed it, you got between uh, four and six weeks to live. Uh, and think in the end he had three months to live and then he died. But the reason I'm sharing the story about him is one aspect of the power of God amongst us is that there is no fear of death. The Spirit of God can remove any fear you and I may have of death. Jesus conquered death, remember? It's the central fact. Death has no sting for us. And this guy, Johnny, when he knew he was dying, he basically got all his friends together, Christian and non, and he had a lot of non-Christian friends, and he basically started telling them, he said, I know where I'm going. I know what's going to happen to me when I die. What about you? Do you know what's going to happen when you die? Do you have any assurance at all? He had a men's breakfast group, and he invited 16 of his friends who weren't Christians, men, to this. And he just told them his story, and he said, 
when I'm gone, at least look into Jesus Christ. At least go on an Alpha course for me, you know. Do it for me. Anyway, and he did this for weeks. As I had about three months, and then he did, did die. And at his funeral, apparently there was a nearly a 1,000 people came to his funeral. He was a well-known guy, a popular guy in the city. And then there was the church he was in, they did an Alpha course. And I heard that there were 64 people gave their lives to the Lord off that Alpha course who'd been influenced by this guy, Johnny. You know, praise God. So that's another aspect of this power. Power for healing here and now. We'll see that happening. But all, we're all going to die eventually, you know. So don't be fearful. The power of God is there to take us through death, to give us a new body like Jesus is. You know, we're going to get a new body on the other side. We're going to be in paradise for eternity. Do you realize everybody you meet is an immortal? Everybody you meet, there's part of them, their soul, which is going on forever. And it'll either be in hell or it'll be in paradise with us, with a new body. Everybody we need, eat, uh, meet, not eat. <laughs> Death is not the end. That's a secular lie. Death is not the end. But in Christ Jesus, we have no fear of that. We can go through that with confidence. Addictions, uh, third thing, another area. Uh, this is another picture, another friend. This is a guy called Mike Tate. He lives in the southwest of England in Cornwall. And he was, uh, again, I'll be quite quick with him. He was a, a drunkard and a, a fighter. He was in the army. He got kicked out of the army for being too drunk and too, too busy fighting the wrong people. And <laughs> so, uh, and he, he had a, a tough upbringing as well. And again, he came to Christ. And th th both those things changed. He's a very gentle guy now if you meet him. He's actually quite an evangelist as well because he's... He can say it like it is. You know, his experience was this. God saved him from that. He could tell people what that's all about. So addictions can be broken. You know, you may be addicted to technology. You may be addicted to drink, uh, pornography. I don't know what, what it is. But whatever, the Spirit of God can break that. You don't have to be controlled by that. You don't have to be ashamed of that. That's the thing. The Lord loves to get rid of shame. The Lord doesn't want to shame you and I, by the way. That's the devil. All he wants us to do is to be real and honest and, and holy. And the shame often keeps us away from addressing things. So come to the cross, just apologize and say, I'm so sorry, Lord. Done it again. Please forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me for the future so that we don't fall in that ditch again. This is what the Spirit of God does for us. Provision. Jehovah Jireh. That's one of the names of God in the Old Testament, Jehovah Jireh, Jireh which is, I, I am the God that provideth for thee. I'm the one that gives what you need, everything you need. Now, that's the thing. He provides what we need. And he actually is very generous. My experience is more than generous. He provides what we need to survive and to keep going. And I I'm, I'm, can be sure that in this congregation, there'll be some of us who are concerned and worried about literal physical provision. You know, can I pay the bond? Can I... Will I have enough money for next month's rent or whatever, the food and things? Take heart. The Lord is with you. Particularly as we pray for each other, this is wonderful to see this work out, to see how he provides. We saw this in our church in South Africa, where obviously um, it's a much poorer country than America, much poorer country than Britain. 
and there are members in our congregation who really did have nearly nothing, and yet the Lord still provided. We saw them being provided for with, with health, with clothing, with a roof over their heads, this kind of thing. Uh, where they, and particularly where they exercise faith and they ask for things. The Lord provided wonderfully. Deuteronomy 28 verse 2 says, All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Now, all this, the blessings, are, are, are all this kind of area of provision from heaven and practical stuff, not just uh, uh, spiritual concepts, but actual day-to-day living. And then really my last thing, It's conversions, bringing new people to the Lord. This is a picture of in the middle there. Uh, well, uh, on the right is a, a lady called Laura, who's part of our team, and a bit of an evangelist. In the middle is a lady called Anne, and I don't know what the little toddler chap is called. But this photograph was taken in the middle of lockdown when everybody was wearing masks and you couldn't really see who was who. And Laura just happened to go into uh, the equivalent of Walmart in Britain, and she saw this lady, Anne, was one of the very few people who wasn't wearing a mask. And so she got into conversation with her in the aisle there and just chat about a few things. And um, the way that Laura does it, she's just able to bring the conversation around to God. And basically, she chatted to her and led her to the Lord. And then she prayed for her to be filled with the Spirit. And that photograph was taken by, I think, one of the checkout girls <laughs> about, about five minutes after Anne had given her life to the Lord. And the thing I'm, one of the things I'm learning, actually, from Laura uh, is that when the Lord is working with somebody in their heart uh, to become a Christian, I mean, to draw them, it's actually really easy for us who are Christians. We just start to talk about Jesus. And, then, and they sort of think, well, what's this? Can you tell me more? What's going on? Often... It's the most natural thing in the world. And they want it. They say, well, what should I do? And you say, well, pray this prayer with me. And they come in to become a Christian. And they give their life to the Lord. It's like a sort of low-hanging fruit. It's actually very easy to get of new people coming into the kingdom. You don't, need to, you don't need to manipulate anybody. In fact, you mustn't. You don't need to shout at anybody for them to become a Christian. Pray jolly hard. That's a powerful weapon we have as Christians. But at the end of the day, the Lord is the one that draws them and brings them to new life. Think of your own conversion. If you're a Christian here this evening, how did you come to faith? Maybe you were brought up in the Christian household. That's marvelous. But maybe you've had a specific moment where you've asked some questions and you've had some answers and you've given your life to the Lord. And the Lord is invisibly, by Spirit, drawing us all closer and drawing new people into the church. Those who keep records on this, and I really don't quite know how they managed to do it, they say that every day around the world, some 90,000 people bend the knee to Jesus Christ. 90,000. I understand 35,000 of those are in China. Obviously, a massive population in China, but the church is growing in China like crazy. People coming into the kingdom all the time. And uh, it's just part of the, the joy of being a Christian, we can participate in that. We can see our friends come to faith. We can see our family members come to faith. And uh, can I say on conversion in your family, if you're the only person who's a Christian in your family, take heart, keep praying. Families are really a 20-year project. They really are. And my, my late father, who died a few years ago now, he became a Christian when he was 49. Um, my brother, elder brother, he became a Christian when he was about 15, before me. 
and then my father when he was 49, and then we discovered my mother before she died um, that she'd been a secret Christian always, really. <laughs> In that she'd all, she just, she had faith, and she'd prayed a lot, and she was just a lovely, you could see there's a lovely sort of joyful graciousness about her, which is the spirit, but she'd never been taught properly, never really gone to a proper church, so she didn't know anything really about how it all works, but she had faith. So families, keep praying for them. Keep praying. Almost certainly the Lord will use somebody other than you to bring them to life. He'll bring a friend alongside for them or somebody that's elsewhere, and they'll start talking to them about Jesus. But the Spirit of God, the power of God, is behind all of that. Right, as I close, because I've been talking for too long, how do we access this power? Very quickly, repent. First thing, say a prayer of apology, really. Keep short accounts of the Lord. Say, I'm so, so sorry. He wants us to be holy. Just repent. Uh, even if you did it this morning, good, no harm in doing it a second time. Do it tonight, you know. Believe. Believe that the Spirit of God is powerful. He's with you. He likes you. He's on your case, you know. He's on your side. And he will dynamically change things for the better for him, for you, if you ask him. And that's the third thing, is ask. God honors us, actually. He respects us. But he doesn't force himself on us. Particularly if we ask and say, Lord, please help me with this addiction. Please help me in this area. He will. Empower me for the future. Help me just get rid of this fear. But we need to ask. And when you ask, if you ever you ask and you seek and you knock, the, 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 we're told the door will be open to you. The prayer will be answered. I will respond, says the Lord. So, that's enough of me nattering on. I think I'll stop there. What we might do is have a chance to have some prayer, what we call in our, our group of churches in England, um, an open ministry, which is basically me leading a prayer from the front and just having 15 minutes or so together where we allow the Holy Spirit to come in specific ways to touch each one of us. So, do you fancy that? bit of prayer? Fancy that? Okay, well, should we all stand up just so we can get the blood recirculating? And I'm asked the band to. Yeah, great. Thank you. Got some water there. Uh, the very first sermon I ever gave when I was in my training at college was on um, Armistice Day in England, which is like Veterans Day for you guys. And it was in a, a church where there was a lot of elderly people. And the front row of the church was full of all these, all these veterans with you know, medals on their chest. There's about sort of 10 of them, 12 of them. And um, it was an, uh, annoyingly, it was an after-lunch service. So they all had a big lunch at lunchtime, and this was a 3 o'clock service. And it was in quite a hot room. So we had lunch, hot room, Armistice Day, elderly people. And I looked down, after I'd been preaching for five minutes, every single person in the front row was asleep. So, you know, if you need to sleep at this point, I won't be offended. You know, do sit down. <laughs> Thank you. Right. I say I'm going to pray, just a simple prayer, and, and do uh, reflect it yourself in your heart. Firstly, a prayer of repentance, just to say sorry. And then a prayer of asking, of just saying, Lord, come, Holy Spirit, come. Please help us. So that's where we're going to go. We'll see what happens. We'll have some words of knowledge already. Uh, the Lord has been speaking to us specifically, so that's great. So, Father, thank you so much for everything. Thank you that you not left us like orphans. Thank you that we're your children, and you're proud of us. And you want to be 
in an even deeper relationship with us. And we thank you for that. We're amazed by that. And we're just also conscious that we screw up, we make, we make mistakes, we get it wrong. We repeat patterns of things we shouldn't do. And we're just sorry for that. And we apologize to you again. Oh, Lord, please have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. And just let the Spirit... <laughs> yeah, just let the Spirit highlight if there's anything specific in that area. And if there is, my suggestion is just hand it over to the Lord. Visualize coming up to the front and placing it at the bottom of that cross on the wall there, that particular thing, and then walking away from it. So, Lord, I, I just confess again my own sin and apologize to you and say, Lord, wash me clean by the blood of Christ Jesus. And, Father, we do there. Uh, from that, knowing what you say about this, it's your promise, we then come to you as your children and we say, Lord, we want to be filled with your Spirit. We need your Holy Spirit in every area, in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies. Please come, good Holy Spirit, and refresh every one of us here tonight. All my brothers and sisters here, Lord, please bless them, help them, help me. Fill us again in Jesus' name. Fill us again. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. And let's just, uh, just wait on the Spirit in silence. It's okay. Well, there's maybe some quiet music going on in the background. And just focus on Jesus and do business with Jesus yourself. It's my encouragement. Father. Thank you, Lord. I sense the Spirit here uh, resting on quite a few, actually, on your shoulders. You may sense, sometimes it's a physical thing, you may feel a little bit of pressure on your head. And if you sense anything from the Spirit like that, uh, or just a kind of a relaxation, that's the Spirit touching you and embracing you. And if that's the case, my encouragement is just in your heart say, thank you. Yes, more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, God. So, God, I'm just get, I'm getting a, a thing about uh, some of the men, uh, some of us blokes here tonight. I think the Lord, uh, the Lord wants to empower you, and He wants to strengthen you. Uh, actually, to be um, in the right way, godly, tougher husbands, holy husbands, um, to be uh, actually stronger and more forthright in your uh, leadership, where you've got that, if you've got a responsible positions at work and things like that. And the Lord wants to empower you guys and raise you up. It, for some reason, it's just it's, it's a group of men I'm getting on that. So if that's you, 
you feel like you need more oomph in life, then receive this. Lord, bless those guys. May the Spirit of God empower them from this evening. May you bless them with wisdom, passion, uh, compassion, grace, and a strength, an inner strength, a great inner strength, which is your spirit. May you be like a steel rod down their back of give them strength and be the men you've called them to be in Jesus' name. Thank you. pray for love. I pray for love. I pray, Holy Spirit, you break in on people in the area of love, where their hearts have been wounded and bruised. Please embrace them this evening. Come closer, Lord. Overwhelm them with your love. Those who need that comfort, come, Holy Spirit. Bless them with that. Thank you, Lord. Comfort them. We were praying earlier, there was a word of knowledge about a lady who, who you feel very fragile at the moment. A lot of things have been going wrong. And um, I think the Lord really wants to just embrace you and let you know practically that he's with you and show you comfort was the word I kept getting. Comfort. He's going to comfort you in your hurt at this point. And he really wants to bless you. And if that's you, do, don't go away this evening without letting some of the team pray with you. If that rings a chord in your heart, the Lord wants to bless you further. He really does tonight. spirit he's touching quite a lot of you in a very gentle way this evening it seems it's like a kind of fine autumn rain um, so just go with that enjoy the, the quiet enjoy the stillness he's just blessing you there's quite a few of you being in that situation I think Lord, bless you, Lord. Come on. I've got a, a 
uh, Nick, I've got a bit of intel for you and church leadership. Just, uh, I believe the Lord's going to raise up um, eight individuals who are going to be key prayer warriors for you, uh, men and women, mostly women. There's going to be at least eight of them who in this next period are going to kind of clear the path ahead of you in the church spiritually. They're going to win the battle up there so that actually the church can continue to go in the right direction. Uh, they're going to be sort of prayer warriors, these people he's raising up. Um, if if um, the Spirit has been touching you of late and making you, pushing you into deeper prayer and getting you on your knees and waking you up in the night and getting you to pray, okay, now that is the Lord releasing to you an intercessory gift. And He's done it a thousand times. It's part of the church. But it's a really key thing to do. It's a key position in the body of Christ because the Lord will start to reveal to you, and he'll start to break your heart, I might say. He'll start to reveal to you what he's going to do, but he wants you to participate in that in prayer. And it's like you're now um, a mirror. The Lord will show you what's breaking his heart about people and locations and situations and so on, and then you pray it back to him. This is spiritual warfare. As you do that, it changes everything. We win the battle on our knees for your community, for your state, for your family. It's all on our knees. But the Lord is going to be raising up a group of you for whom this is a real thing. And so if you get woken up in the night and you think, why am I so totally awake at 2 a.m.? Just start praying because the Lord will start to show you, I believe. The Spirit has released that. So I just pray, I pray into that. Lord, release that gift, that gift of warfare, get that gift of revelation, that gift of intercession and winning the ground in Jesus' name. Release that to as many people as you wish this evening and draw together that little group of warriors who are going to clear the ground ahead for what you're going to do in this neighborhood. In Jesus' name, thank you. Uh, this baby that's been born, Brooke, I think the Lord might say, uh, Brooke is a prophetic baby for you as a congregation. This is, he, they're going to be the first fruits, the first of many. The family is going to be expanding. Your family is going to be expanding. It's going to be getting bigger. I'm going to bring more life, more babies in Christ are coming to you. Be ready for that. Be ready for the babies. <laughs> so cool. Love it, Lord. Bring it on. Mm. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Mm. So good. Bless you, Lord. Amen. Okay, well, I let, let the worship band just keep mellowly worshiping in the background. Um, if you'd like specific prayer, can I encourage you to come forward up here? We've got some uh, very useful little kneelers, I notice. Come up to the front and sit here or pray here, and we will pray with you if you'd like that on anything. It doesn't have to be anything. You don't have to wait for a word of knowledge to receive prayer, but if you'd like prayer, do come up here, and Nick and the team will be delighted to pray with you where you sit or stand. So that's great. Great.